Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome along to El Podcastio de... Uh, I don't know what sofa is in Italian. Do you know what sofa is in Italian? Oh, it's it, still sofa. <laughs> it's sofa managerio podcastio. Aha, uh-huh, yes. E. <laughs> Benny, Montemini. Benissimo. Uh, <laughs> As you can tell, uh, myself and my compatriot never learnt a word of Italian. No. Nope. Uh, despite visiting the country, I never laughed at any, any attempts. I have, but on episode uh, Nuvolare Quattro? I'll take your word for it. 94? I don't know. 94. Nine Nuvolari? I think I've probably made that up. Episode 94 of the Sofa Bar Just Got to Shoot Ball podcast. We are going to be discussing uh, It's Coming Rome <laughs> for a start. Uh, we will discuss the UEFA uh, Euro 2020. I nearly said UEFA Cup there. The UEFA Euro 2020 final. Our thoughts behind that. We watched the game. Uh, somewhat together virtually, so we'll talk about that experience. Uh, some of the things surrounding the match. Uh, where England might have gone wrong, as well as some of the uh, fans barricading through. They actually released figures as to how far off the attendance actually was, which was interesting. Um, So they are investigating. We'll see what comes from that. Uh, And also, much as we did last week, we will be reviewing some of the new kits in Scottish football and discussing uh, some of the attendance limits and things like that that are in place at the moment. Uh, What that's likely to like to go back into the stadium and so on as well and uh, we may or may not get to other things such as the Europa Conference League um, some transfer news and so on and so forth anyway joining me for this podcast here podcast podcasty right okay I'll, I'll work on that uh, this week is our uh, Italian correspondent in his Juve top I see there mm. it is uh, John Brown hello John Hello, Paul. How are we? Good. Is that the new Juventus logo out of interest, or is it the old Juventus logo on the shirt? It is. Oh, it's the new one. There you go. It's the new one. I'm not a big fan of the new one, but I'm not paying £100 for the old tops, so... Uh, Never mind. One of many to choose from. Three stars on that. I actually have a big discussion as to stars and football kits, (laughs) which I'd like to discuss later on. Along with some funny graffiti I've actually seen along the canal, which I've not told you about. Mm. Hey, it's a random side. And uh, myself, Paul, in his uh, Italian touristy shirt bought from Rome Ciampino Airport, which is like the B-grade secondary one that Fly Globespan were flying to at the time. Remember Fly Globespan? Good times. Uh, this episode is in no way endorsed by them, as they no longer exist. Anyway, <laughs> shall we get straight on with things? That's uh, fine on. Yep. Right, first things first, uh, it did not come home. Uh, was that a surprise to you, John? Do you, did you think they were going to do it? I was beginning to worry mm. significantly that they were going to make it, they were going to do it, it was coming home. Um, but they lost it in the best fashion possible. <laughs> like. Yeah. Take everything else out of it. Losing on penalties after like go beyond the fifth penalty to lose that is just magnifico. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely superb. Loved every last second of it. Yeah. I think uh I think even during the game, like the first half was basically theirs. Italy didn't really give them too much trouble in that period of time. And I think they'll be disappointed that they are very conservative when they go a goal up. But we'll get to Southgate's decisions uh, and things like that a bit later on. Mm. Uh, you, at the time the penalties were taken, you said that I think Bellotti, or was it Jorginho? Bellotti missed it, didn't oh, he? Yeah, Jorginho missed. Jorginho and he's kind of trademark skip and then taking the hit. Just... In that environment, yeah, I just knew he was going to miss. Like, I don't know why, I just had that kind of gut feeling. Yeah. And I thought at that point, actually, England were going to do it. If, if England were going to break every kind of possible duck to this tournament, it was to win the final on penalties. The fact mm-hmm. that it hasn't happened, it's just joyous. Absolutely joyous. I think so. Um, 
probably actually the weakest penalties that we've seen in the competition uh, thus far, um, ironically. Um, the biz- it was just bizarre, Southgate's choice, and I know this has been touched on by a lot of people today, in terms of the choice of penalty takers. Um, one thing I've drawn in particular is the sort of late substitution of Sancho for Jordan Henderson. I'm thinking Henderson's probably got a bit more metal about him, as much as we criticise his ability, but he's, you know, captain of Liverpool. He'd take a penalty, and I, I sincerely doubt Jaden Sancho's taking the penalties for Dortmund, is he? Yeah, it was a little bit kind of strange. We knew at the time when those substitutions were made that was the sole intention of getting these guys in the park. Mm-hmm. I think we were both quite surprised when we were kind of chatting through the game that you know, I'd made that substitution for Henderson. I, I know Henderson's missed big penalties in the past, mm-hmm. so I don't know if maybe that's a, been a kind of predetermined arrangement. To kind of say like he's maybe admitted that he's, he's maybe not got the kind of ball to take it, and that's fair enough. You're better to kind of do that than than not like step up and make up an even bigger mess. Um, again, as we kind of said during the, the game. It was amazing that he, he picked an 18, 19-year-old to take such a penalty in such an environment. And that's this is before any of the kind of abuse that's started to appear online. You know, this that, It was just a, from a footballing perspective, it was such a weird thing to do. Obviously, you can't criticise Saka or Rashford or um, Sancho for taking any of the penalties. If, if, they're, if they've put their hand up and says, I want to take a penalty, it's not for that's not on them. That's on Southgate to make the decision as the manager and say, mm-hmm. I actually want X, Y, and Z to be taking those penalties. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not done that. He's went with the kind of feeling within the group. And again, nothing really wrong with that. You can criticise it because of the event that's happened. But it's just so strange and it will be kind of pointed to for a long, long time to see why did you let a teenager take a penalty in a European Cup final when so much was on the line. I do think, like, Saka in particular essentially felt like the England poster boy of that tournament, you know. He came out really well in a lot of the interviews and things like that. He he was a big success story. Mm. And I think if that penalty were to win the Euros, it would have made slightly more sense than the sort of reverse of that, which was to keep them in the sort of penalty run. And when you've got, you know, it was the likes of Grealish and stuff like that kicking about there. I the, Probably the best penalty of the lot was probably Maguire's. Maguire's absolutely rocket and took out the camera. I mean, that, that was the best penalty out of all of it. And I think, you know, like Chiellini didn't fluff his lines for his penalty as well. Yeah. So the good thing about the way the defenders take their penalty is... There's no faffing about in their head for right. what I'm going to do, what my run-ups. I am just going to blast this as hard as I possibly can. And that's your most likely chance of success. And I do think that's where people like Rashford and things can come in for a bit of criticism. Uh, I've heard people say he was trying to be a little bit Pogba-esque, perhaps, um, and the way he took that. Now, as you say, all that's now overshadowed from the abuse that took place online and the tremendous reaction to that. Um, which is fantastic to see but it does kind of distract everyone from the fact that it feels like in the media cycle we have immediately moved on from this loss Um, and Scotland fans will want it to live slightly longer um, in the memory and they seem to be in attendance as well on a number of excellent banners um, on show Uh, we had I'm I'm here for the Italian job I think from Scotland was one of them Yep, we'll be back (laughs) We'll be back. <laughs> yeah. The Mrs. Grealish 69 has also been floating around. Yeah, that was strange. I don't know if that was Mrs. Grealish. Like, I don't know. So, so that, convinced that was a man, that was a Manchester United top. Oh, it was definitely a Man United top. The thing about it, oh, it might be this year's Aston Villa Awake, who knows what that even looks like. But I remember in the past, uh, I think Ryan Jack's wife used to give some uh, motivation, shall we say, on like Twitter. Uh, you know, if her man were to score a goal against Celtic or something like that, you're like, well, all well and good. So I don't know if that had the same connotations uh, or what that was about. So, yes. Do you think they would have won the tournament if Southgate wasn't the manager? Or yes. 
Uh, I do actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> As no, we say, the, or, or the, would they have done worse? Uh, they would have done. It's a double-edged sword. It depends on who else would have been the manager. I think, in terms of English managers, because I think I've always believed that your national coach should be of that nationality mm-hmm. to a greater extent. So I think Southgate is probably the best manager England can muster. But I think if they had a better quality manager, I think they would have won it because that the talent pool that England have is phenomenal. Like I don't think we can kind of hide away from that. They are also quite likable, and that hurts a lot to say. But they are you can kind of relate to one or two of them. Like there's not a lot of kind of egos in there. Um, they've done really well to kind of keep the media at arm's length, which again maybe you could maybe put that onto kind of Southgate. Maybe you could you can probably attribute a lot of that to to Southgate actually. He's handled the media incredibly well. He's kept them far enough away to basically shitstorm their whole way through it, mm. as they would in literally every other tournament. That kind of thing comes through. He's done really well to stop that and foster a really good kind of team environment. It's just kind of tactically, and one or two decisions throughout the tournament is kind of raises a few question marks and then obviously the kind of selection for penalties again caused a few kind of questions. I England could have been two or three nothing up in the first half of the game. You've got to ask why not. So he's probably the man that'll keep the job for a while longer. He'll take them to Qatar. If they get to the semi-finals again, he'll take them to Germany for Euro 2024. Beyond a bit, quite whether he'll develop into anything beyond being an England manager, I, I don't think he would, to be honest. I think this is the absolute pinnacle of his career. He's still got a lot of that career to remain. Yeah, I think that definitely in terms of depth, it was the squad, strongest squad at the, the tournament. Uh, and it, it was frustrating at times, especially from their point of view, to see him not really delve into that. You know, Kane came in for quite a lot of criticism. And when you saw someone like Calvert-Lewin, who's had a really good season, for Everton you think well it's not healthy to have a guy that feels unchallenged as Kane probably did and you probably think if he's not wearing that captain's armband he probably doesn't start every game in that same manner Um, you know Sancho and things like that was a disappointment as well he kept using Grealish as his secret weapon and that that never really materialised in any great way and it's like well just just Start him, get him into the game a little bit more, change something up. You know, put like Rice and Phillips uh, did a good job, but they weren't, I suppose their job wasn't really to go forward. And then playing Mount out of position in the last game was a weird decision because he'd been playing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought as well, but um, yeah. There's a few, few kind of tactical points that you can kind of look at and go, maybe it wasn't correct. He didn't really recycle the squad as much as maybe some other nations did. Like you mentioned, Coverland could have came in for Kane at other spells, either in games or or kind of at kind of larger points in the tournament mm-hmm. as a as a sub or you know start the games because Harry Kane did not look fit and did not look <sighs> in a kind of position at the beginning of the game in the beginning of the tournament to merit his. Like continual start, he did eventually. Eventually, managed to get that relationship with Sterling. But right at the start, you're kind of thinking this guy needs at least a kind of game just to kind of take a bit of a breather yeah. and get him kind of sort of back up to a little bit of fitness just to to see what you can kind of do with him. Mm-hmm. Would that have made a difference? Who knows? Um, they, they took it as far as they could. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if you are going to win tournaments. You know, everything needs to be spot on. They'll be so frustrated because that was, they were so oh, that was close. The, the, the so biggest, close. And that was the best opportunity they'll have to win a tournament for a really long time. Well, we will see. Uh, Argentina, obviously, winning the, the Copa uh, America. America, which puts to bed my argument of Ronaldo being better than Messi because he's won an international tournament. So... Uh, the only thing about either of them now is neither of them have won a World Cup. So I doubt either will, to be honest. So that's interesting because I don't know. Like, if you look at the previous generation, like before Ronaldo and Messi, 
who was the best player in the world, like in the sort of early 2000s, late 90s? Ronaldo kind of comes to mind. Ronaldinho, maybe. Ronaldinho was a standout, but... He did win the World Cup. Because of the skill. Yeah, he won the World Cup. And uh, then Ronaldo won the World Cup. And Zidane won the World Cup. Oh, well, unless, he won, unless he won in 98 because mm. he only won the 2006 World Cup he, Zidane had played uh, Matarazzi I remember that I'd, he may have won it in 98 I think he would have won it in 98 right I want to see who the Ballon d'Or winners have been going back so it's basically been Messi Ronaldo with interjections of I think Modric who will never Modric win Modric probably won it so Kaká won it in two thousand and seven, but that was yeah. that was a bit of a blip. Cannavaro won yeah, it in two thousand and six. That would be for the World Cup. World Cup. Uh, Shevchenko, two thousand and four. AC Milan winning Champions Leagues. Well, to be fair, him getting Ukraine as far as he did in the tournament will feel like winning the World Cup. Pavel Nedved in two thousand and three, Czech Republic. Uh, he played for Juventus at the time as well, I imagine. Yes, indeed. Uh, Ronaldo to Michael Michael Owen <laughs> Michael Owen <laughs> really okay in 2001 Figo didn't win the World Cup no Did he? Portuguese Portugal never won the World Cup Did they win the Euros though or was it Greece no. who won the Euros in like 2000 and... Greece won in 2004 they beat Portugal in the final Remarkable. Portugal beat England in uh, either the quarters or the semis yeah. Uh, it's like Rivaldo and things like that. Who also, I believe, won the World Cup. Let's check Zidane's honour. So you think he might not have won a World Cup? I think if he, if he won it, it was 98. Don't know he if he's old enough. He did win in 98, apparently. Yeah. Who knows what role he played in that squad at the time? Because we were obviously very, very young. But anyway, uh, that will hang over them for all their individual um, achievements. And... You know, it's not like Argentina or Portugal are bad teams. Um, no, I mean, Argentina had the best chance of another World Cup in 2014. Mm-hmm. And they fluffed that against Germany. Mm. Portugal, Portugal, obviously, Ronaldo carries that team. And, and they, how can you kind of put it mildly? defended their way to Euro 2016 well the the thing about it is he also didn't really play much of the final because he, he didn't was play any of the final well. he was injured after 15 minutes so it's hard to say whether he maybe that puts Messi above Ronaldo who knows it's an argument that will rage until the world implodes I don't I, I hate the fact that you have to decide on one or the other they are better at different times they are better at different things therefore not really that comparable uh, and other good news, Albion Rovers are 1-0 up against Falkirk, John. You'll be pleased to hear. Excellent. Fantastic news. I thought I'd share that with you. Uh, so that'll uh, give a clue as to the upcoming Falkirk season. We should do a preview for that at some point. Heaven knows what we'll talk about there. I didn't pay attention. I don't want to know. No, quite right. <laughs> uh, also, there was some fan unrest uh, ahead of the England match. Um, so there was two things that obviously marred this game was uh, the abuse that the players that missed the penalties received online and uh, hooliganism, as it's been described by a number of news outlets. Uh, and you sent us a clip. What clip did you send us again, John? Oh, there, there was a few, to be fair. Um, if did the kind of hooligan element first. Mm. There was uh, the manner in which you were getting into Wembley from uh, speaking to a man on the ground was you, you you got to a certain barrier or certain kind of checkpoint and it was to check your COVID sort of status. So you uh-huh. had to do a negative um, either a PCR or a lateral flow test before you would kind of get past the first stage. Mm-hmm. Now, this is like literally a guy with minimum wage going, hmm, on you go, hmm, on you go. I'd be amazed if they were honestly checking that properly, particularly when they go to a busy point. You get beyond that stage, we get to another barrier, uh, which would include like a metal detector and whatnot to try and get through, or it should have. They would check your QR code on your phone and they should scan it and that activates your ticket. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. it was getting to the point where it was so busy and like they were developing a crush basically that these guys were like just looking at it and going that's a QR code on you go because I could I honestly could have showed them my QR code for Wailing United against um, Gillingham mm-hmm. from the Saturday and I'm fairly confident I would have got through yeah like, just no way these guys could check 90,000 or 60,000 I should say sorry ah ah well so this is this is the thing so the video we kind of refer to is basically a crush it's group of how many guys would you say that was about three or four hundred yeah just yeah. decided to kind of group together and, and push their way through one of the barriers wiped out the stewards there was a couple of police officers who had like no hope whatsoever I know these guys were these guys were effectively in the stadium and there was no way of getting them out. No. That that happened all around Wembley. And if you've ever been to Wembley, it's quite open plan. So actually getting in the door it's not that difficult. and, and, and that that's scary. And that could they could have if they could have comfortably went over and above ninety thousand people in that game and it would have been a disaster. Well that that's obviously a very scary thing. We know what happens in football stadiums whence they are over capacity uh, as you say they've got that like big drive that kind of leads up and funnels everyone in and as a design point that's maybe not the world's greatest idea I mean, um, and the problem is once it's happened once like let's say there's another Champions League final there in like a few years time you know who's to say that the same thing uh, couldn't happen again but I, mean, I, I think they said in particular there isn't an investigation on going but there were at least 2,000 people and more in there for the penalties than there should have been because by that time in the match there was like broken turnstiles and things like that that people were just sneaking through and I'm imagining at that point in the game security is just kind of clocked off I um, would imagine 2000 is probably a kind of at the low level they I, have said it's a lower end estimation could at minimum easy be 6 or 7000 maybe pushing 10 yeah. just, just the volume of people that would have chance it you're right. If if you compare that now, the UK want to host the 2030 World Cup. You know, are you now looking at Wembley? God forbid England get to that final. You you could have half a million people trying to pour into that stadium. Like, you just you know. But then, what what do you do? you you told these people if you don't have a ticket, don't turn up. They turned up anyway. How do you put in place a system that stops an army of 20,000 people trying to get through the door? Like, Well, I think two, two things are kind of happening here. Like obviously, the restrictions on tickets. So it was, it was well known that Wembley was going to have spare seats in it. Yeah. So if you bust your way in, there was a fair chance you could pretend that was your seat. Yeah. The second thing as well, there was no fan parks whatsoever. So there was no reason why you couldn't run the game at Wembley. 60,000 people have fan parks in Hyde Park, St. James's Park, Greenwich Park. You know, there was loads and loads of places where you could have dispersed these mass crowds mm-hmm. and it would have been the same kind of atmosphere only you were watching a big screen rather than watching the game in the stadium. Mm-hmm. That That is a design. It was just, it was a flaw. And, and that, they should have done that. That would have broken up crowds Um you would have been able to kind of control that a lot better and it would have stopped a kind of rush on the stadium. You know, you would have sort of dispersed a lot of the kind of people across the city rather than in one sort of central location. I think that that kind of happened in an unofficial way. The Trafalgar Square fan zone was still open, I think. It, so. Again, this that kind of feeds into it. So the Trafalgar Square was like a fan zone that was socially distanced. Yeah. And people still tried to rush it because there was nowhere else to go and watch the game. Pubs are full, there's no big screens. You know, if you're drunk at your face and you're desperate to watch the game, where are you going to go? Oh, we'll just try and batter our way into Trafalgar Square. There's a big screen there, you know. See, that was also the problem because it was so late in the day, people were just bladdered before they even remotely got, got near the place. So that yeah. played a factor as well. And it's it's kind of it's a shame that you almost have to think of it as like an old firm fixture and you know if that was at half 12 you know the same antics wouldn't have occurred but then you would have also not had the same audience that you probably would have reached mm. um, in the record levels that they did so uh, we will see what comes out of this investigation see what they do going forward but it certainly was a stark reminder of how things used to be in the past 
Um, yeah, a little bit. We never experienced it, but I, you can imagine that's what it used to be like. Well, know. I know. Uh, I don't know if you've got that that far in your read of the Pat Nevin book, but he used to talk about going to Celtic Park and they just used to lift the children over the turnstiles. No, I've kind of got that far. He talks about going to the European Cup semi final against Leeds. Yeah. 145,000 in Hamden. Again, you, you cannot comprehend that amount of people in that stadium. Like, he said that was like, he said that was scary though, didn't he? That like yeah, I mean that would have been that was a year or two years before the Ibrox disaster, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So it kind of puts things into perspective a wee bit. I mean, modern stadiums aren't. I don't think that would kind of happen. I crushed the same level because it is seating because it's a little bit more kind of to a lesser degree you can manage it. Mm-hmm. That's obviously dependent on how many people actually decide to charge a stadium. So. It's, I mean, if that were if that were to happen at a stadium up here, um, you, you're well, only two thousand in there. <laughs> well, no, there's only really. It depends on the st- like the turnstiles. Depending on where you go, are pretty difficult to get through. Like you can't. They're I, not like um, you know they're not like train station gates or anything. Like uh, you know the ones uh pretty much everything I can think of are the big like bars that are like really restrictive you're not jumping through you're not going under it like unless that person turns it you're just not going through oh kind of full height I think the other kind of video I don't know if you've seen it yourself with Wembley is the guys bursting through the what would be the kind of exit doors right so they again they charge the doors this thing kind of flies open and a couple of people kind of pour in and they're getting booted to booted to hell off the kind of England fans already in there Right. And it's, it's violent. It really is. I mean, it's English people fighting English people inside Wembley. It's, it's very surreal to watch. It's hard to believe. I think uh, very much an embarrassment to. Uh, it's an embarrassment to have their country, for sure. Like. I mean, we, ha- we have this paradox at the moment where footballers are actually doing quite a lot of good in terms of you've seen the Rashford campaign. I did like today that Tyrone Mings was calling out. Pretty Patel, I will always accept that from anybody, but his, his statements have had more gravitas than almost anyone else. So uh, the left-wing party could be becoming a thing of uh, ex-former footballers or right-wing. I'm never really sure as to which is left and which is right. And... It'd be left-wing, but it brings on the kind of second point, I suppose, of the outcome of this is the, kind of the racism and all of that kind of thing kind of follows through. Um, it's quite difficult for us to kind of comment on I think because we obviously don't experience it so it's really difficult to put yourself in, in their position you can only look at it as a human being and go it's it's disgusting behaviour mm-hmm. and again as you kind of mentioned Tyrone Mings his kind of statement saying what he's kind of said to Pretty Patel is, is spot on will she change her kind of mindset probably not mm-hmm. uh, it's just the person that she unfortunately is it's the same with Boris Johnson the two of them oh. are utterly hopeless elitists who never do anything to help anyone who doesn't earn quarter mil a year and owns property in the city of London. They couldn't care less about you. Aye. Uh, personally, I, I still like the idea of the left-winger party for retired footballers. I think that there's a genuine chance of government um, with such a thing. Um, yeah, I think in terms of we are kind of reaching a crescendo and this this is this keeps happening and I, I actually don't know to what scale but i know that uh j emmanuel thomas the aberdeen striker tweeted someone i think he tweeted something at jermaine defoe the other day about congratulating him for a goal he scored in a friend or something and someone tweeted below of like some monkey and banana emojis and stuff like that and you're like right so this is happening people out there are doing it and they are doing it because they know they cannot be found out. And I think that things like taking the knee is a symbolic gesture that does show solidarity, but I don't think it does anything to actually address the problem from those that have it. And I think to address that problem, like in terms of a social media aspect, we need to have some sort of digital stamp that follows us around the internet in the same way that like a passport or something would, so that you cannot set up these accounts anonymously. You have to be able 
to be easily identified so that what you're saying to someone is essentially the same thing as you would do face to face. Problem number two is there are people that would say these things face to face as well. And, you know, they would be easier to be prosecuted, though. That's that's the kind of difference. It would, but it is the nature of football fans. You know, we are always going to have, especially up here, we're always going to have sectarian issues. You know, there are always going to be certain fan bases where there are racist issues. It's it just seems to be. I don't. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the solution is. No, we're not in that position. We we honestly we can't sit here and comment really as to what how they kind of feel about things because we've never experienced it. All you can kind of do is support these guys and and whatever endeavour they want to go through, whether it's taking the knee, you've got to give them the support to go through that. Yeah, like you, you can't sit back and go, oh, we don't think that's right. We don't know if we if that's right or wrong, but we, we have to support them because it's what they, it's, it's what that kind of minority feel is necessary, and you yeah. have to support that. I mean. I certainly wouldn't boo them for doing it. Like, freaking, even booing national anthems, like, oh, it's, it's drives just, me up the wall. It's petty. And that kind of level is petty, booing national anthems and stuff like that. Unless, of course, it's God Save the Queen, in which case it's absolutely fine. Yes, so that <laughs> I was about to say, because I remember the Scotland England game, definitely there was a lot of booing. But, like, see when they were booing the Danish national anthem and stuff like that, I'm like, get a grip. Some of, some of it is deep sea. England will boo top of Scotland. We'll blue boo God save the Queen. I have never seen the purpose of booing the Croatian national anthem. What possible difference does that have to yourself? Or the Czech national anthem or the Danish national anthem. You know, like didn't help us. <laughs> nah. There's there's too much going on. It goes back to what we talked about last week as well, about the role of social media and the company themselves. They, it's it's really kind of for them to kind of get the finger out and fix it, and actually put some money in to get rid of these guys, shutting them down because they have the potential to do it. They just just either don't have the resources or don't want to know about it. No, there's a, there's accountability that is not being taken, but uh, yeah. So Italy have now won what four World Cups and two European Championships. Yep. Uh, and I believe they have four stars on their badge. Um, you, your Juventus top, have three stars. What do those three stars represent? I have no idea. Aberdeen have two stars. Uh, one for each European Cup Winners' Cup they won. Celtic have one star for their 1967 European, European Cup. Cup. I think one of those guys died again this week. Which is actually crazy because we're going to reach a point where none of them will be living anymore, which is a an absolute tragedy. Rangers, of course. Oh, Rangers. So, I have taken to cycling along the canal recently. Um, I can generally do so in a couple of directions. You either go towards Glasgow, you go towards Edinburgh. Uh, going towards Glasgow, you kind of head out to Kirkintilloch and things like that, which I've always seen as a slightly more Celtic end of Glasgow. I don't know whether that's true or not. It's just a presumption I see from the Celtic tops I see. But uh, some Rangers fans have come out with some paint to uh, write some messages about how excited they were about their, uh, was it 55th championship? Uh, Let's say yes before we get drawn into arguments. Well, when I was going along last week, it says like RFC 55... um, and then there's stuff celebrating their 160th anniversary. Yeah, 150 or 160. Something like that. So they were writing that, all that. And then I went along this week and there's been some amendments. Uh, what right. it says, RFC 55, someone spray painted over it saying 01 <laughs> instead, which I appreciated. And then when it says 100 whatever years, they've again put zero <laughs> like two or <laughs> three or four or five or something uh, like that no we're coming up for the ninth or tenth uh-huh and a lot of it a lot of it's been scrubbed out and sevco's been written over it and stuff like that <laughs> it's just like <laughs> are we really having this battle on a canal towpath that's how now, it's done oh 
utterly crazy. It gave me a few chuckles uh, as I went along, though. Uh, and I want to have some St. Johnson one saying most successful team in Scotland, <laughs> 2K21. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you make of stars on football kits, John? That was going to be my my question. Well, as a Falkirk fan, it's never really bothered me. <laughs> but the, the thing is, right, in well, theory, they could put a I, couple on there for their Scottish Cup victories, could they not? They, yeah, you could. I think it depends on the magnitude of the star. So oh. I have, if you're winning like the World Cup, if you're winning, you, well, maybe not European Champions, World Cups for sure, Champions Leagues for sure. Everything else, I think, is a little bit more debatable. Ooh, so you wouldn't put any stars for any domestic achievements? Nah, I don't think you would. I can't. Like, you would never imagine St. Johnson's going to have like two stars over their badge for winning the League Cup and Scottish Cup in a double season. Glasgow like, Rangers fans, you can write to John at the address LDN FK fifty four. No, I mean fair enough. I mean. So, like I say, some so it doesn't really bother me either way. Like, it's obviously for that supporter of that club to memorise something. To me, mm-hmm. unless it's a national team or you've won the Champions League, I think they are such a like they are the absolute pinnacle. So, if, if you're a nation winning the World Cup, is the absolute pinnacle. If you're a European club winning the Champions League, is the absolute pinnacle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fair enough. Honour that with a weekend of star if you want to. I don't know. Maybe we should we should have a more official system where if you have won a European Championship, you get a gold star. Yeah. If it's you have good. won a second tier like a UEFA Cup, you get a silver star. Aye, that could work. Um, and then basically anything else you put is some hideous colour so that no one really wants to use it. And I always remember that the team that won the UEFA Club Cup or the FIFA World Club Cup used to put that like hideous crest in the middle of their jersey, which I was really confusing because again I thought it was hideous and it's probably the least prestigious competition. Well, it's not the least prestigious competition. It was the most bizarre competition going because you basically played three Diddy teams. And then you uh, played the South American team. <laughs> yeah, but even the South American team they take it far more seriously though than the European teams. It's really weird. Like when you watch, I remember watching highlights of Corinthians against I think it was Chelsea in Japan. Mm-hmm. Many like this must have been what 2012-ish, whenever Chelsea yeah. won the Champions League. And like this stadium is rammed full of Brazilian Corinthian fans. Right. And there's like a kind of smatter of like Japanese domestic Chelsea fan. fans. Yeah. It's really, really funny. And Corinthians actually win it and they're going absolutely mental when they get back to like the airport in Brazil and they're all waiting on them with the massive flags and, and the flares and the songs and all that. It's amazing. It's, it means so much more to them than it does to the Europeans. I suppose the Champions League is the sort of success in itself and they have something to prove because, again, we don't really... Because again, I've never watched the uh, what's their Copa Libertadores. League? The only time I watched the Copa Libertadores was when it was in Madrid, because I was oh, like, "This is a one-off. This is never going to happen again." Give it a watch. Um, and it's kind of hard to see over here, and it's not in highlight form. They used to put the Brazilian highlights in Channel Five and stuff like that. I've not seen any of that in a while. I think Premier's where that is now. Maybe. No, I mean that that is the only my dream though is. I think I've probably spoken to about before, mm-hmm. but there is a company that do like tours to South America. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm, I've got my money saved up and ready to go. So as soon as restrictions are away, yeah. I'm going to Buenos Aires, 10 days, uh, another plate derby, ticket included, San Lorenzo game potentially, get a weekend of touring, New York's old boys, trip to Montevideo, to Uruguay, hopefully see Pinarol, oh, I'm it. Some body armor included. <laughs> nah, you're fine. It's just honestly, I'm going there for like steak and wine every day for ten days steak and football. Wine. It's just I mean they'll come back. I mean just stay there. Like I don't see you surviving in the South American climate, but we shall see. <laughs> uh, no, another good another good kit news this week. My Scotland top got lost in the post. Hey, hey! I got a refund, but I have. So this is the sleeve patch. It looks different because you have to peel off 
the top bit, if I can just peel it back, you can kind of see the actual... I was going to say the colour looks rotten otherwise. Yeah, so you put the way you iron it on and then the <laughs> the respect. Oh, ironic. So if anyone would like those, if we could maybe give them away in a competition in like a year's time and you can stick them on like a Falkirk kit or something like that. I uh, really Get a silly cook and a Stalin Albion top. Yeah. We should totally do that. If we ever had enough money for a giveaway, we should just get like five random kits and put like find Europa League badges and World Cup ones and stuff like that and just stick them on. Because you can buy um, like name sets as well. Yes. So you can get like, I don't know, like pick a, at least five top and put Ibrahimovic on the back. Got <laughs> a difficult one there. See, I remember. Yeah, when I worked at Sports Direct, you actually I saw the machine that did it and the actual like template they had for putting the letters in specific places. Um, and my biggest regret was they asked if I wanted to be trained on it, but I only intended to work there for like a month. I was like, no, I didn't want that hassle because if I muck it up, I am screwed. Uh, but yeah, interesting part of it. So, speaking of kits, uh, you have another selection uh, for us to look at this week, which we will not take uh, a full half of football to go over this week. We'll be we'll be nice and brisk with our summary. Um, we'll, we'll try not to. Um, right, let's see if I'll try not to break this again. Whilst John does uh, get his PowerPoint presentation up, if you are interested, uh, you can check out the Sofa Manager YouTube channel if you're listening to the audio of this uh, to see some of the kits we are talking about. I haven't given you permission. You've disabled me. How dare you? Um, I've just realised that. So if I click on participants and then I go more. Uh, what if I make I don't want to make you host, do I? Bear with. How many kits do we have this week, John? Uh, We have five this week. Five clubs, two in the Premiership and then three in the lower leagues as he tries to remember exactly who they are. Okay. Um, You don't remember who they are? Do you not have them in front of you just now? I've got the PowerPoint. I'll I'll, I'll get that up for you. Um, Some of them, one in particular, we've got like Hearts and Hibs, who both have got really quite nice kits. Um. The Hibs one in particular could end up being one of the best ones this season, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure all the kind of viewers are delighted to, uh, to have a quick look at um, instead of your face looking as confused as you are. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, how did I do this before? Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. Like, kind of permissions. Right. Try now. <laughs> Try now. <laughs> Sorry, we viewers. We usually, our listeners, we usually have this sorted beforehand. Hey, we're in business. So John, currently off the screen, has the Hearts home kits, which is maroon. It actually reminds me of some of the Ukios Bankus kits from way back in the day. Collared maroon, oh, white stripe down the sleeve. And then uh, the third kit, which is blue and navy blue vertical stripes. Yeah. Now, what you might not notice in the third kit, I didn't notice it to begin with either. Is there a very faint outline of Tynecastle, one of the stands I in it? kind of see it, yes. Yeah. Um, I think if you've seen it in person, I think it would, I'll end up looking a lot nicer. Yeah. I do I do really quite like that. Do you? If, if they had called that like Inter Midlothian, that's fantastic. Inter Midlothian. Do you have the Inter Milan kit in here this week, by the way? No, not at all. I mean, we might do a European special. Do um, an international I'm, one. I'm not going to lie. For some reason, there are just certain colours that I don't see teams wearing. Blue is one of those colours for hearts. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, I'm sure the Tyne Castle thing looks like smart and all, but it is quite plain. Like, there's no sponsor or anything like that. Um, I actually don't like the home cut either. I think it looks like a bit old fashioned in that sort of mid 2000s sense. Uh, it's, it's in that kind of unfortunate bracket where it's not retro enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, also, and I know they've done this for good reasons, but they've retired the number 26 for Zaliuskas. For Zaliuskas, I am not a fan of retiring numbers in any way. Honouring numbers, absolutely. I'm not a fan of retiring numbers, but no. you know, that's obviously their decision. Uh, I am not buying either of these, John. Not going to lie. You're not? No. Nah. Nah. There is previous Hearts kits absolutely would have bought. This one ranks a little bit lower than that, so I probably wouldn't buy it. I'm, I, I, there's something about that third kit that's 
it's kind of got me hooked a little bit. In the sale, in the sale, we'd buy that. I just feel, as it's a third kit, if it was like black and white, maybe, or if it was like maybe purple or even pink or something like that, like blue, I just, no, nah, can't get behind a blue hearts kit. Duds, no. duds, both of them to me. Oh, oh well, that's uh, sorry, hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like hearts. <laughs> really, don't like hearts. Well, we'll, we'll go across. Bangers, 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 bangers. I'm buying both of these, John. Get freaking Leith Road on the back of the. It hurts me a wee bit, but both of these kits are just amazing. Honestly, like the head the, Yeah, you go for it. Amazing, like the of the kind of city outline, certainly a leaf um, into the kind of castle and stuff. That's it's such a kind of unique touch that uh, just absolutely makes that kit. I mean, that is one of a kind. I think every Hibs fan will want that kit. Yes, just got to kind of hope to do something with it. Um, I know that, that that's the kind of big thing about it. But it's probably even if the, that kind of dark green, the kind of lighter green, is actually how it looks in sort of real life. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant as well. They've got the right kind of cut on the sleeves, so there's no kind of like weird kind of indent collar spot on. Ah, it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yoma have done an absolutely unbelievable job there. I know. I, I again, ten out of ten. You've described it perfectly. There, there's nothing that you would really change. I think the gradient no. works really well because nobody really wants to see the city bypass. I'd be curious <laughs> to know if Tyne Castle's like under the arm or something like that. Like, uh, under your the back and kind of near the bottom. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> some people. Uh, I believe the away kit, which is like white with green pinstripes, is like a throwback um, uh, to an older one. I think it's pretty spot on as well. Like, I do think that's really, really smart. It's just yeah, that, you'd wear that to Wimbledon, sort of thing. Ah, uh, you've got a touch of class to it. Mm. Even the kind of like walking around the collar and everything. It's just. It's got the right, right level of kind of detail. Again, absolutely, just smashed out of the park. My uh, concern would be that everybody now does the thing that they've done in the home kit, um, and I wouldn't want that to happen either. Uh, I mean, Poker doesn't really have that much of a landmark. Just like one road in, one road out. <laughs> I'm still. I'm waiting for the Kelpie kit. Or I was actually talking to my brother today because he was saying Calman Juniors have gone downhill. I was like, see if they brand rebranded to like Falkirk Wheel FC or something like that. Uh, there's definitely something in a design they could do there. But then I was told that lots of old men would be very angry about that. But no, oh, ten out of sure. ten for these Hibernian ones. I'd uh, I'd be buying them both. Um, if I was a Hibernian fan, if they were on sale, I still would buy them. But again, that's because I'm a, an Aberdeen fan. But uh, from zero out of ten, it's ten out of ten here. Uh, ten out of ten, hundred percent. Uh, the next lot I'm less convinced will be 10 out of 10 right I don't know what we're going to look at next so this is oh oh oh, oh. oh Kevin O'Hara now, um, I'll give you a laugh when the first when I started looking for all the kits um, went through all the leagues and stuff so would you like to hazard a guess who was originally mon- uh, modelling the Dunfermline home kit was it you and Murray nope I don't know then Gex Falkirk Higginbotham? Nah, I don't know. De- Declan McManus. Oh, Declan McManus. Declan can, McManus was the original kind of model. Can we be honest that Dunfermline and Falkirk are so similar that they just exchange players because they, they are they incredibly do. similar teams? They offer the same wages, probably same yeah. caliber of player, never getting out of the kind of, <laughs> the kind of middle two tiers. Like. Yeah. So the the home kit is the usual black and white uh, vertical stripes, some slightly thinner stripes than the previous one. The away kit is a kind of purple with some green triangles on the bottom with some green trim. Yeah, I think these are both pretty smart. Not gonna lie. Do you? Uh, yeah. The, the home top is just a film on home top, so I'm not obviously I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's no better nor no worse than any previous attempts to try and polish a turd uh, as he says wearing a black and white top um, yeah I like the red trim on it and I always think I, the, the logo yeah, is quite yeah. nice as well if it's got red numbering on the back that would work I think that would probably look quite well 
the away kit, not sold at all. I, I'm not a big fan of kind of purple. I, again, this is a bit of a throwback, I believe, to something else, uh, to some kit from the mid-90s. I think this could be a bit of a cult classic, um, especially if they have a good season. And it's it's different. They've not, you know, gone for something bland and boring. Uh, it's an unusual combination of colours with the sort of purple and the green. Um, yeah. But, you know, if it's a throwback, it'll go down well with the the ultras and stuff like that. So I am thumbs up for the away kit and I am like, you've not done a bad job with the home kit. Yeah, probably the opposite. Thing. <laughs> you the don't top, like the away the kit, top. the home kit's fine. Okay. Just don't, I'm not a big fan. Like I said, I don't really like kind of purple kits so much. As, but purple kits should be exclusively for Fiorentina and that's it. Uh, I can't actually think of any other purple teams off the top of my head, so you, you're uh, saved and there. A, and a left. Right, there you go. Yeah, Are they not white, uh, technically, at home? Anyway, uh, I can't remember who's next. Uh, oh, Sterling Albin, yes. Sterling Albin! Ah! Uh, John, you've taken pictures of the training tops here. Um, reckon? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, allegedly, these are the home and away tops, for what I could find. I believe um, you. The, is this £10 off already? What is yeah, this? I know. Uh, like, oh, uh, Prudential again, have like, done it. As we kind of go through, as we kind of through the websites trying to find all these kits, you, you can tell who spends a bit of money on their kind of online presence. Sterling Albion don't, believe me. Um, no, there's not a lot to them. So I don't know if they are the home kits for this season, last season, training tops, casual wear... Yeah, I think uh, these are definitely the home and away tops because of the, the way the sponsorships are on. So the home kit is another Macron thing. It's red with a white horizontal stripe this time above the badge and the logo. And then the away kit is navy blue and nondescript. Now, one of my biggest regrets is the season that I did some announcing for them. They had this gorgeous red sort of tartan pattern with some like yeah. white sleeves and it kills me that I never went and bought that kit um, because it was really smart this yeah it's a league league 2 kit isn't it like the blue ones especially bland mm. it's actually amazing that we're getting this critical of football kits now like oh why don't you have a city outline on your shirt why isn't like the Wallace Monument there that's not just on the badge oh, I don't know I mean it's pretty critical I mean Folk like myself are like, you know, I think these it's becoming a more and more kind of fashionable thing to look at and buy and own. So I think it's becoming more and more important for even like kind of smaller, slightly more kind of obscure clubs to produce something like the, I think the Pollock one has kind of done the same as what Hibs have done with the kind of city outline. Mm. Uh, there's the Pac-Man kit, Loch Ness FC, you know, these, and they'll be selling sort of these kits to random people all over the world essentially I like that idea of the sponsors uh, chirping down the price a bit yeah Uh, that's a really nice idea Uh, that's good of them I would give them all kind of credit for their service when you phone them is shocking but um, (laughs) other than that not too bad well the the home kit I would say is the better one here Uh, the away kit is fine it's weird it's like a radar sort of think they've got on the, the sleeve uh, I think the red one might actually grow on the fans I think it might grow if they have a decent season yeah probably that's, that'll let, be the kind of more popular one let us know if there's any you'd like us to review if there's any of these that you're buying because some people will be furious that we're like oh this sucks they clearly haven't probably. you know someone's just done it in paint and then accidentally put a rectangle on top okay. of it right okay Wow. Are they still selling? Jeez. Yeah, so oh. it's just a classic home top. Um sort of light blue, darker blue, pinstripe running right through it. Oh it's yeah. Quite, quite, quite I nice. actually thought it was very similar to the hips one in that they had really narrow white lines, but you're right, it's two shades of blue. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't mind that. I think it's, it's very kind of Stranrari. Stranrari. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just blue on blue. Um, the the like the sponsor, nothing yeah. really changes there. That could have been last season's, but it's nice all the same. Uh, no problem with that. I like it. Very classic, but modern yeah. at the same time. Yep, you can see that kind of rocking up in like the kind of fifth round of the Scottish Cup. <laughs> kind of the upset. Yeah. Mm, maybe. Kind of maybe. Um, as for the away top, I was a bit taken aback when I seen it at first. But it's grown on me quite a lot. I do really quite like that. The thing it's about yellow the, and navy blue, yeah, um, horizontal stripes. Horizontal, yeah. It 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 is an away kit in every definition, and that the colours are strikingly different. You know, you're not going to miss the other players on the pitch. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 reminds me of something that I can't quite put my finger on. Um, it's kind of like a zebra crossing, but with yellow lines instead of white ones I don't know I like the home one better than the away one I can't put my finger on why I just think the away one's kind of meh I don't know I, 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 like, I like the away top and I, I can't really understand why but it is nice see if the away one was a white version of the home one I think that would have been really cool even a red version of the home one I think would have been really cool yeah maybe a red one um but I think the, the way one is just so different, and particularly with what we've seen from League Two, that is it's a bit of a standout. And, and it works quite well better. with the, it's, You know what it's like, actually? It's like a kind of naval flag. Since they're sponsored by Stella Line, there you go. So, well, they're not a navy, they're just a boating <laughs> company. Yeah. Home kit, thumbs up. Away kit, like, fine. If you've bought loads of home kits, I'd, you know. How, I actually like to know how many of these kits they're selling because if they're doing over three figures, I'm amazed. Nah, no, well, enough for a lot like what kind of clubs are doing more and more, so they're being sold by Football Nation mm-hmm. rather than the kind of club themselves. So I don't know if that's helping or hindering certainly online sales. Yeah. In the walk-ups, I'll just be kind of handled by the club anyway, but I don't know if that's getting them a better outreach to randoms. Mm. So elsewhere in the UK or in Europe, mm-hmm. so that would be quite interesting to kind of know if they're actually kind of making any money at the back of this. Um, yeah, I, I do think the wider reach thing's fantastic, and I've kind of said to you before that um, is that the last one, by the way. It is the last one. I'll you can probably suppose. stop stop sharing the screen. Um, I, I kind of said to you before that a centralised platform for getting all these kits would be fantastic, and also like a a two for one deal. Well, you could do like a mystery box. So you could buy the home kit of the team that you want and then say for an extra 25 quid you get another random one. Aye. Uh, but we work quite well. I mean, or I can have, I don't know, a scarf or a mug or just kind of something to get like just random tat, really. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you got, a, um, you know, like by accident, a Strunrash scarf, you might say, oh, it's just for the bants. Go to the game one weekend because I got a scarf. Or if they're away uh, somewhere some weekend, it kind of gets you. Gets you all, gets you interested. And the, the more fans we can get through the gates, the better, frankly. Absolutely. Um, attendances in Scottish games, uh, I think, are limited to sort of one, two thousand people for these Premier Sport Cup games um, that are on at the moment. But we are hopefully going to go back to full stadiums. Uh, later on, I believe you've been reading into this a little bit more, John, haven't you? Uh, I a little bit. So it's a kind of weird contrast now between Scotland and England for sporting attendances. Mm-hmm. So you've got now in England coming the nineteenth of July, which is Monday coming. It's an absolute free for all. There's no restrictions on capacities. It's a happy days, really. My life's back <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I'm yeah. good to go. Um, a little bit different, in fact, a lot different in Scotland. Nicola announced, I think, was it this afternoon, kind of saying basically the whole country's moving into level zero in Scotland. That doesn't actually mean restrictions are gone. No. It just means you know, the kind of bare minimum of restrictions. So Scottish football up until the beginning of August the maximum capacity is 2,000, regardless of the size of the stadium. Or 1,000 if your stadium is standing only. Right. So if you're United, you're only allowed 1,000 people. If they have no seats at all. 
they've got a main stand that's got wooden benches. Right. As far as I'm aware. But I think their their stadium's sort of classed as a, a standing stadium. Right. Um, so there'll be a thousand maximum with these kind of games, which for lower league clubs isn't a huge issue. So for the vast majority of League One and League Two, that's irrelevant, really. Yeah. Averages attendances are what anywhere between kind of four and six hundred on a good day. It becomes a bit daft when you look at somewhere like Parkhead or Ibrox, where you're looking at like less than ten percent of the capacity being allowed in. It seems a bit strange. But my argument would be they're the ones that caused us so many COVID issues. Uh, earlier on in the year with the sort of outbreaks in Glasgow that I know definitely were related to some of those Rangers celebrations and then Celtic fans uh, rioting at the gates of Celtic Park in large numbers as well at a time that we were all uh, stuck at home. So yeah, I if there's I think if there's the same rule for everybody, it's parity. Um and to be honest, to get to Ibrox and Celtic Park, everyone generally comes from similar directions and similar channels. So if you if you are filtering through even, I don't know, 20,000 people, there's still going to be, you know, kind of choke points and things like that where people are going to mix in very close proximity. Uh, albeit outdoors and things like that. Which, uh, you know, very different to England, but it's not affecting them at the moment anyway because neither of them are playing in these tournaments um, uh, we'll think we'll be playing in the Champions League qualifiers oh god when that'll be the 20th of July roughly so it's right. effectively the day after these I think it's the 19th of July same as England right Scotland moves to level zero well um, uh, so if you're reading a football fix and you can't get a, a bigger stadium in Scotland yep. jump on a plane go to Manchester come down to London you're guaranteed a ticket Got the away fixture of whatever. Aye. Rangers are playing Blackpool the pre-season friendly shortly. Yeah. In Blackpool, which will be an absolute free-for-all. Do Rangers mm. are playing them? I'm sure they are. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> uh, they're playing Real Madrid as well, they aren't they? They're playing Real Madrid as well. Is that I'm sure that, uh, It is Ibrox as well. Because uh, I was talking to Gareth Bale playing it. Ah, but he might retire to play golf and maybe, play for Wales. Yeah, it'd be Wales's only full-time player. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh dear! Well, like in the the international sense. Uh, well, that that would be a bummer if that was restricted, because obviously the whole reason of organising a fixture like that is so you can get a lot of uh, bubs and seats for a glamour fixture. Mm. Um, you'll be pleased to know Falkirk are now three-one up against Albion Rovers. Um. So they fixed It's coming that. home, boys. It's, it's coming, coming home. home. Did they keep Callum Morrison? Uh, yes, they did. Yep. Uh, that's pretty decent business. I don't know anyone else. Telford, Dixon, much. Everyone else, I don't know. Uh, quite a small bench. You're not allowed a big bench for this competition. Maybe not. You probably are. We usually don't have any kind of players. <laughs> Attendance has been quoted at exactly a thousand. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to see actually. Like, let's see Hearts Cove Rangers. Hearts are two 0 up, by the way. Halliday and Boyce. Jeez, hmm. yeah, that's such an OP team. Cochrane's back in the side. That's interesting. I thought he might be done there. Uh, two thousand is their quoted attendance. Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> that is remarkable. Maximum capacity. Uh, how about uh, who do we want to know let's see Air what did, who did how many did Air have against Ember City this is probably about a thousand shouldn't it Should oh, it doesn't it doesn't say, doesn't uh, say. no no they're still counting right? aye <laughs> who else they're so, they're so far spread out I know Dundee against Borough Rangers is the last one I'll look at it doesn't say either that's weird so it tells me the Hearts and the Falkirk one but pretty much no one else's uh, Inverness, no one has invited Baller to turn up to the game, so they haven't bothered calling their teams. Oh, that's good. There you go. What were we talking about? Oh, you've kind of you've lost me. You went off on a wee tangent there, and I was too busy looking up and giving you scores from uh, an event that I'll have long since passed by the time that this is published. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I think that will then about round us off for this week, in which case, Charlotte? Yeah, I think that's all for us. Before my battery goes kaput. We're plugged in now, so it's fine. So, it is a thank you for watching or listening from myself, Paul. Yeah, thanks guys, all the best. And have a good evening, a good afternoon, and a good morning. Goodbye. Bye. Ciao. <laughs> ciao, ciao, Bella. Ciao.